Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. All right, cool. So first of all, I'm just um, thankful for the opportunity um, just, just to be up here. Uh, it's awesome. And um, about a month ago, uh, the Lord put something on my, on my heart just through a, a, a scenario. It was a uh, good friend's um, birthday gathering, so to speak. It wasn't a party or anything like that. Um, I arrived a little bit late. Everybody's out back, you know, hanging around, around the bonfire. It was a couple familiar friends, a couple people I knew. Um, were solid grounded believers, and a couple people, I had no clue who they were, I just met them for the first time, figured they were my buddy's, you know, family or family friend at least, and uh, so conversation started spewing, we had a couple s'mores, and um, uh, one of the ladies around the bonfire noticed uh, that my buddy, I'm not going to mention his name, but uh, just he's always so excited, he's always so joyful, he's always so loving to everybody that he meets. You know what I mean? And I know that's the joy of Christ in him. You know, so she asked, she says, like, Aaron, what's your name? What's your name? I said, hey, well, I guess I already said his name. Aaron, okay? <laughs> He'll get to listen to this eventually. But um, I said, Aaron, what's your story? Like, why are you so happy? Why are you so bubbly? Why are you so joyful? And uh, not to ruin the story, but I could already sense just based on you know, slurring of words and whatnot. She was in a different state of mind, you know? And... Um, but it was cool that she noticed, you know, uh, my buddy Aaron, his personality and whatnot. And he said, well, you know, to be honest, I can't tell you why I'm this way without sharing my testimony, you know. And uh, he, he shared his testimony with me, Pastor Vinny, Maria, um, great friend of mine, love him to death. And uh, unfortunately, during, during his years in high school, his, his brother overdosed uh, on heroin. Um, his parents had, you know, multiple um, issues between their relationship and drugs themselves and whatnot. Like, this kid's been through a lot. So he pours his heart out, shares his testimony, and you would not expect to hear that story and then look at him and say, that's that person. You know what I mean? But a uh, couple things stuck out to me immediately. One being that there were clearly two different spirits present that night, right? You know, one being a worldly spirit, the other being those relishing in God's word consistently you could feel that you could sense that you could see that and I immediately noticed that uh, when after he shared his testimony it was as if it she didn't hear any of it you know it, it was a quick response to I used to be just like you guys I used to be just like you guys I used to go to church I used to go to this Catholic church I used to be part of youth it was great we used to have fun and uh, I was happy you know what happened right what happened and uh, it was almost a downplay, you know, on Aaron's testimony. And, uh, and there was a girl next to him, you know, she was also a believer, a pastor's daughter. She asked her to share her testimony. Same thing. It's downplayed. So I'm the next one in line. I'm already a little, a little agitated at this point. I'm not going to lie. And uh, she goes, you know, you share your testimony with me. And, um, you know, there's a, there's a certain point where you have to realize that there is an antagonistic spirit. You know, and there's a point in which, you, you know, you just got to, you have to walk away or just, you know, just get out of there. Not necessarily get out of there, you know what I mean. But there's a point where that conversation is not going any further, right? So this whole night, 
not this whole night, but the time around the bonfire, wise words be, being spoken on deaf ears. Deaf ears. You know, that, w- that was clear. So I said, I turned the question around. I said, well, you know, I don't even know your name. You know, we're telling you all about us. You know, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? And uh, things kind of turned. Um, immediately, you know, she's talking about how she's miserable and her husband's right next to her. I feel bad for, for him. You know, I know she's emotional. She was in a different state. But she, you know, I'm miserable. You know, my job stinks. Like, all this stuff. And then she directs the conversation kind of back to... Uh, faith and whatnot, uh, my buddy Aaron, and I'm, I'm usually the type of person, I think inspired by Pastor Joe and Pastor Vinny, to jump into apologetics and, you know, start throwing out all this stuff, but something just told me to just sit back and, and just kind of, kind of just be still and just kind of analyze the situation, and so Aaron took control because, you know, she initiated a conversation with him initially and uh, shares the gospel, I mean, gives Solid illustration, everything, you know, and just one ear out the other. She clearly wasn't receptive to the gospel. Every time she heard Jesus, she could see it in her eyes. It was just like, she's agitated by it, you know what I mean? And shortly before she left at night, she just kind of blurts out. It wasn't rude or anything. This lady wasn't rude. She was actually a kind woman. She was just in a certain state, you know. And, um, and I'm thankful for this experience because she just throws out, well, why Jesus? You know, isn't Jesus just another public figure? Isn't he like Martin Luther King or like Gandhi? Uh, Why not Muhammad? Why not this? You know, we give plenty of explanations. Why not Muhammad? But it was clear that she didn't want to hear it. She didn't want Christ. But what stuck out to me most and what challenged me is that question. Why Jesus? Right? Why not Muhammad? Why not Buddha? Why not another philosophy? Right? Why not my own religion? You know, why Jesus, right? Yeah, so God spoke to my heart that night, and I just thought of 1 Peter uh, 3.15. You know, we should always have a defense for our faith and be able to do so with, with meekness, right? Being kind and doing so, right? And being humble and doing so. And I was just thinking, okay, I'm confident that probably everybody here, because I know everybody here, which is pretty cool, um, could probably relay the gospel, um, I'm thankful for this church because we go through God's word, and immediately when I became a Christian, I knew the gospel. You know what I mean? I grew up, I don't know if you guys know, but I grew up down south, what's considered the Bible Belt. There's a Baptist church on every corner, but I, could, I couldn't have straight up told you the gospel. I had heard of sin, I had heard of Christ, I, but, but never was I fed by any means. Also, didn't really ever go to church either, but... Occasionally we would pop in and I would just notice that and I was just like, you know, like whatever, you know. And um, yeah, so anyways, so why Jesus? Uh, If you would open your Bibles with me to uh, John chapter 14. All right, so verse 1, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, so also believe in me. First claim, Jesus uh, not necessarily being one with God. This is kind of starting the big claim that we'll see in, in uh, 14.6. But kind of kind of start, gets the ball rolling a little bit. But what really stuck out to me is let your not heart not be troubled. Um, and just through that experience, you know, hanging out with the fr- uh, friends and lady whose name I don't know, um, I just realized like, okay, she 
you know, is, is saying, I used to be just like you. I used to be happy. I used to be, now this lady's troubled. You know what I mean? So, you know, if not Jesus, why, why alcohol? Why substances? Why all this stuff? You know, why, why are you troubled? Why did you leave that happiness, you know? And um, it really scared me because if I wasn't grounded in God's word, if my friends weren't grounded in God's word, they could have potentially been troubled that night, right? If we didn't know evidences for our faith, we could have easily been troubled, right? Ten years ago, that would have been, you know, her just bringing up those things, that would have been, I, I had no clue of the gospel. I had no clue of the Bible. So I would, I, would, I would have agreed easily. So even someone who claims to be a Christian and is not in God's word, doesn't know the evidences um, that backs their faith, could have easily been troubled that night. And that was just like, man, I, I, I have to get on the ball myself and challenge others to do the same thing. Um, always growing up, I don't know why, I always used to try to anticipate and prepare for everything. So I just kind of see that domino effect. Let's just say, hypothetically, I have, I hope I have kids one day. But um, if I were not able to provide that evidence for my faith, how do I expect my kids to do the same thing, right? So there's going to be this domino effect, right? I might know the gospel, but, you know, I'm fine with that. I'm stagnant. I'm complacent. I'm a Christian. I'm going, I'm going to heaven. That, that's it. I'm going to stay right here, you know, but there's that domino effect. Uh, by the time my kids are in their high school years, right, if I can't support my faith, how do I expect them to listen? You know what I'm saying? So my challenge to you tonight to myself tonight to continue to grow in this sense is not only just to know the gospel, but you guys, there's, there's over 300 prophecies simply or references to 61 prophecies within the Old Testament, right, that refer to Jesus' birth, life, death, and resurrection. I had no clue, no clue about that before I was a Christian, right? Um, the manuscripts that back scripture, I had no, no clue, you know what I mean? We just kind of think that, or I guess society sometimes thinks that, you know, it's just some, some made-up book, there's no evidence to back it up, and, you know, that's that. So we have to be able to, with all, all the stuff that's out there now, social media, technology rising, everything speeding up, you better and you should be able to do just that, right? We would agree with that, especially now. Um, so that domino effect, you know, I just kind of saw that, that's why the Lord put this on my heart. So, real quick, did you know that just eight of those 300 references, the prophecies, the probability of those coming true would be 1 in 10 to the 17th power? So I'm going to put that in perspective for you. And also keep in mind that uh, to the Hebrew, to the Hebrew scholar, any prophecy that was foretold, if it was not uh, fulfilled 100%, uh, with 100% accuracy is totally disregarded, right? So for the, f- the fact that just one were to come true is just astronomical. That eight were to come true um, as far as the law of probab- or impossibility, right, which is one to the, the 10 to the negative 14th power, which is when something is deemed impossible. Just eight of those coming true would be one in 10 to the negative 17th power just for eight of those to come true. So let us, let us try to visualize this chance. If you mark one of ten tickets and place it all on the tickets, all the tickets in the hat, uh, hat, blindfold somebody, stir them up, 
They grab it out of the hat, their chances are obviously 1 out of 10. Correct? So suppose that we take 10 to the 17th silver dollars, lay them out over the state of Texas. They fill the cover, or excuse me, fill the state and cover the state two feet deep. Mark one of those silver dollars. Stir the whole mass all over the state. Blindfold somebody. Tell him he can travel as far as he wishes, but he must pick up that one silver dollar and say that this is the right one. What chance would he have of getting the right one? Just the same chance that the prophets would have had of writing just the eight prophecies and having them all come true. So with that being said, if we were to cover every bit of scientific, historical, biblical um, piece of evidence um, that explain the existence of God, Jesus, why Jesus over many uh, named philosophies, belief systems of this world, it would obviously take a crazy amount of time. Right? But what is important right, is maybe that you just know two simple facts, right? that there, there are evidence, evidences for Christ's existence, right? extra-biblical evidences, maybe, maybe some scientific evidences for creation over evolution. Guys, there's some simple facts that literally we could be able to state to somebody in two sentences. Um, I was talking to Pastor Vinny and, and, and Tobin earlier, and I was just saying, you know, I could probably name 200-plus NBA players right now. I could probably name 20 players and accurately name their stats. You know what I mean? Like, I could argue with Timmy Joseph back there about why Michael Jordan is the greatest of all time versus LeBron James, and we'd be able to plead our cases to each other back and forth and do so passionately, right? So... (laughs) With something so important in our lives, why can't we do just that? Right? Kind of puts things in perspective. We got any Yankees fans in the building? Not me. I shouldn't raise my hand. I'm not necessarily a Yankees fan. Coach, raise your hand. You're, you're a Yankees fan. Okay. Sports are big up here. Right? I've met tons of people, you know, Philadelphia fans, whatever the case may be, who can just go through history and name all these statistics and can argue and can voice their opinion over and over and over again. Right? And do so passionately with all the energy in the world. But we can't, you know, for the most part, Christendom, so to speak, or Christianity as a whole, I, I could confidently say that probably eight out of ten people would not be able to do that who claim to be a Christian. To be able to uh, passionately, not even passionately, just to be able to plead their case, right? As to why they believe what they believe. You know, we're quick to say Jesus loves you, which is true and is awesome, and we are experiencing that you know, daily, but it doesn't stop there. You know what I mean? First Peter 3.15 tells us to have a defense for our faith. You know what I mean? If that defense goes beyond um, the Bible, which is awesome, right? The most important thing is to know God's word, right? But if it goes beyond that, extra biblical sources, science, all that stuff to help, why not know it? Why aren't we interested in that, right? Is it that important to us, right? So I just want you to ask that question to your uh, self tonight. So why Jesus? We're going to continue with verse 2 and uh, chapter 14. So in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. 
Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Boom, there's the big claim, right? Why Jesus? Jesus just answered that himself. We're obviously going to dive more into it, but why Jesus, right? Why is he the way? Okay, so he continues to say, if you had known me, you would have known my Father also, and from now on you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and that it is sufficient for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father, so now you can say, uh, so how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Right, referring to Jesus' entire ministry. These guys have been with him for three years, right? And even as Christ went to the cross, they all ditched him. You know what I mean? We see after that, after, after Jesus' resurrection, we see a different response. And now everybody else but John, who writes this book, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, the book of Revelation, goes to their death, uh, a, a persecuted death. How does that happen? How do you go from ditching your buddy of three years who claimed to be God, and, and then all of a sudden you're willing to die for him? That makes sense? You know, so Jesus foretold what was going to happen to him, and, and that resurrection sealed the deal. Right, showed that he had power over sin and over death, and that he fulfilled the promises um, that that he entailed to to his disciples. Right, so none, excuse me, none of this matters. Right, none of the prophecies matter anything if Christ never existed in the first place. Right, that's probably the question that uh, I would say not enough people ask. Right, did Christ exist in the first place? Because every non-believer that I've run into, or a lot of non-believers that I've run into, is that Christ didn't even exist. You know, he was just Christianity, uh, Christ, all this stuff was just some social construct, right, as a, uh, in order to control people, so to speak, right? Uh, which is just complete nonsense, and I'll explain to you why. I got uh, four points. I'm going to um, list them from strongest to uh, least, one being... In academia, Christ's existence is still uh, the main position, and I'll explain why. So, um, John Dominic Crossan, who co-founded the Skeptical Jesus Seminar, denies that Jesus rose from the dead, but is confident that Jesus was a historical person. He writes that Jesus was crucified as a sure historical person. And as any, oh, excuse me, I'm sorry. That Jesus was crucified, the fact that Jesus was crucified is as sure as anything historical will ever be. Bart Ehrman is an agnostic who is forthright in his rejection of mythicism. Mythicism being uh, just that, that Christ never existed. He's just a myth, right? So just keep that in mind because I'm going to bring up that term a lot. So, uh, mythicism. Ehrman teaches at the University of North Carolina and is widely regarded as an expert on the New Testament documents. He writes, the view that Jesus existed is held by virtually every expert on the planet. Next point, Jesus' existence is confirmed by extra-biblical sources. 
you don't know, if you have any, uh, you know, son, sons or daughters, whatnot, young adults, um, anybody over the age of 18, 18 to 30, uh, we have Berean Room every month. Um, and it's just for this right here particularly. If you have a question about the Bible, um, you have the opportunity to anonymous, anonymously present that. And there's a panel of pastors. Uh, it opens up for great discussion. But, I mean, we've, we've heard questions that are, are, are challenging. And we, and we dive into those things. So if you do have, know anybody, you know, uh, nephews, nieces, whatever the case may be, um, inform them about that, right, so that they are equipped. You know, don't, don't just let that be like, a, oh, no, we missed Berean Room. No, this is something that, that can really um, equip and build them up. You know, and, and me, for one, Tobin, you know, uh, other people have consistently gone, know that. You know, and that stuff's in, in my head if someone were to ask me a question. You know what I mean? So if we care about, obviously I care about the future generation. I'm only 27, right? And, um, you know, I want to see uh, Soul Safe for Christ for the rest of my life, you know? And so I encourage you to continue to pour into and reach down to the younger generation. Encourage them to go to young adults groups like that. And um, just so that they are equipped um, and just fellowship in general. But, so Jesus' existence is uh, confirmed by extra-biblical sources. Um, first being the Jewish historian Josephus. Um, shorter reference of his is in Book 20 of the Antiquities of the Jews. At this time, there appeared uh, Jesus, a wise man, for he was a doer of startling deeds, a teacher of people who received the truth with pleasure, and he gained a following both among many Jews and among many of Greek origin. And when Pilate, because of an accusation made by the leading men among us, condemned him to the cross, those who had loved him previously did not cease to do so. And up until this very day, the tribe of Christians, named after Christ, has not died out. Furthermore, the Roman historian Tacitus records in his um, annals that after the great fire in Rome, Emperor Nero fastened the blame on the despised group of people called Christians. Tacitus identifies this group Thusly, Christus, the founder of the name, was put to death by Pontius Pilate, uh, procurator of Judea in the reign of Tiberius. Okay, so that's just two sources, and there's more than that. Um, Just for time's sake, I just want to show you that this is out there, right? And and I have a recording with it on it, so there's no excuse not to share it with somebody else if you don't remember it. So, just saying. But, um, (laughs) so... Okay, and then the early church fathers never describe the mythicist heresy. So um, they referred to Gnosticism, other forms of heresies, people trying to um, pull people out, you know, into Gnosticism and um, other religions. But why was mythicism never brought up, right? Think about that. Throughout all history, never referenced. The Bible's not referenced. Why is mythicism, or the belief that Christ did not exist, not brought up, right, until now? Does that make sense? Let me get a couple nods. Yeah, okay. Another, St. Paul knew the disciples of Jesus. Almost all mythicists can see that St. Paul was a real person because we have his letters. In Galatians 1, 18 through 19, Paul describes his personal meeting in Jerusalem with Peter and James, the brother of the Lord. Surely if Jesus was a fictional person, then one of his own relatives would have known that. Correct? Mythicists offer several explanations. 
for this passage, which Robert Price considers to be part of what he calls the most powerful argument against the Christ myth theory. Next, how Jesus matches up to other historical figures known as for, uh, forerunners of a certain religion. That being, uh, given the evidence that's already been provided, it's pretty simple that this is uh, a pretty easy question uh, to answer. The others just don't match up. None claim to be God. None fulfilled any prophecies. None performed miracles. All have a suspected or proven grave site, meaning that they are dead. Uh, Muhammad never performed miracles, never fulfilled any prophecies. Jesus Christ fulfilled the law that was meant to be a mirror to show our sin by not sinning. Muhammad was a murderer, and in today's eyes, a a pedophile by marrying a nine-year-old girl. The Quran, though dated over 200 years after the death of Muhammad, which I believe is around 540 A.D., Though dated over 200 years after his death, even claims the existence of Christ to be true. Just that he was a prophet who did perform miracles and who did fulfill those prophecies, all except for his resurrection um, and that he went to the cross to die. They believe that somebody in Christ's place went to the cross to be crucified. The Romans thought that Christ was crucified, but instead he ascended to heaven to be with the Father. He never uh, died in the first place. I also believe that Christ is coming back, um, except it's not going to be with warm, welcoming arms to Christians. It's going to be the exact opposite. So, also a good friend of mine shared some information that I, um, you know, I'd known in the past and just wanted to share with you guys in reference to um, just the many, uh, the thousands of manuscripts, Greek, Latin, um, you have the Septuagint, Dead Sea Scrolls, all these documents that date back centuries ago and within, as far as the New Testament goes, within 40 years of Christ's death. So let's put that in perspective. Right? Everybody knows Julius Caesar. Everybody knows Plato. Plato. Everybody knows Aristotle. So Julius Caesar lived 100 to 44 B.C. His earliest manuscript from 900 A.D., number of copies being 10. So that gap of time is 1,000 years, okay? Plato, 427 to 347 B.C., earliest manuscript, 900 A.D., number of copies, 7, gap of time, 1,200 years. Aristotle, 384 to 322 B.C., earliest manuscript, 1,100 A.D., number of copies, 5, gap of time, 1,400 years. Big gap of time, right? Okay. Jesus Christ, 3 B.C. to 30 A.D. Earliest manuscript of the New Testament was discovered about 50 years ago. It's a small papyrus fragment of the Gospel of John, chapter 18, 31 through 33, on the front. And it has been dated to about 125 A.D., gap of time being 30 to 40 years, number of copies, We have over 5,000 individual Greek manuscripts that contain all or part of the New Testament and 8,000 Latin manuscripts from the early 5th century. So it's safe to say that within the past two centuries, nobody could have just jotted some new stuff in the Bible and got away with it. Okay, Um, These manuscripts, uh, Septuagint, Dead Sea Scrolls, uh, are of grave importance. Um, uh, Judaism obviously, as well as Christianity. Um, so they're protected under guard 
nobody's getting to them. So, how Jesus matches up. Uh, Gautama Buddha, Buddha, the original Buddha, um, was born a uh, Hindu, denied the Vedas and the caste system. Glad he denied the caste system because that's, that's pretty sick if you don't know what that is. Um, essentially, you're born into uh, a, a certain class. Um, if you were to go to certain places in India, I think they still kind of exercise the caste system. Is that correct? Yeah. Um, so essentially, I'm, if I was born into a, a certain class, you would walk by me every single day, even if I'm in need, and you wouldn't talk to me because um, I, I essentially was, how do I say this, reincarnated to this class, so to speak. And so therefore, if you're of this higher class, you don't associate with me. Obviously, that's um, <laughs> not related to Christianity whatsoever. Um, so Buddha went on um, the quest for the truth, but never claimed to be the truth, never claimed to be God, um, developed the Four Noble Truths and the Eightfold Path, and the goal of Buddhism is to extinguish desire. Uh, we see meditation as a popular thing. Nowadays, we see, you know, I walk into people's houses and see, like, just, just Buddhist garments everywhere and stuff, so, and claim to be a Buddhist, right? So... Your goal as a Buddhist is to extinguish desire, but where are you going tonight? You know what I mean? You're going to fulfill all your desires. So the world likes to pick and choose what it wants, and we kind of have the ability to do so with these. You know what I mean? If the truth hits me right in the face, I can quickly distract myself, pick up my phone, watch a video, entertain myself, and it's like nothing ever happened, right? It's, it's just that simple, which just emphasizes my point that we need to know what we believe, why we believe it. For time's sake, I um, was going to go into a little science. Uh, Pastor Joe loves to do that. Um, uh, I love that, <laughs> too. Um, love apologetics and whatnot. I um, think uh, a couple messages ago, Pastor Joe brought up the 23-degree tilt of the Earth's axis. That was off just by a little bit. We wouldn't be in existence. The fact that it is rotating a thousand miles an hour. You guys feel that? No. All right. Cool. Um, Ten thousand miles an hour. It's going in orbit. Is that correct? Fifty thousand. Fifty thousand miles an hour. We are going around orbit. Do you guys feel that? No. Right. Is that not a miracle in itself? How about the fact that uh, our big uh, gaseous planets, Jupiter and Saturn, um, a lot of people don't know this, but we would have probably already been hit by a million, billion asteroids if we weren't protected by those planets, if they weren't placed so perfectly in our universe, right? If we were just, uh, I mean, just think about it. Think about how hot today is, right? If we we're a little bit closer to the sun, we'd be fried. If we we're a little bit further, we'd be frozen. Okay, we were placed with a special kind of atmosphere as well here for a purpose. I mean, I just don't even... The argument against God is, is really just weak. But it makes sense why you would want to argue against God, right? If God exists, 
if Christ is Lord, if Christ did exist, if he did die for our sins, right? If sin is a real thing, then I have to probably answer to something. That means God is over me, right? That doesn't mean I'm God. He's God. So what does that mean? If I were to follow Jesus, I would have to be held accountable, right? And if you look around in our world today, people aren't going to do that, right? People aren't just going to do that. They don't, they don't want to do that. They're fine with their own little gods, and they're fine with fulfilling their many pleasures, right? Even if, in their mind, they know it to be true, right? And um, from personal experience, I can say I did that. You know what I mean? I, I, I like to run as fast as I could from God. And um, he brought me up to New Jersey to <laughs> grab my attention. And um, yeah, real quick, everybody just uh, go to John 14, verse 25 for me. And I just um, want to share this and a couple other things in uh, closing. So verse 25, these things I have spoken to you while being present with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. That last verse, um, I want to be completely honest. Uh, I, I, I you know, just thought to throw that in last minute. And I was talking to Pastor Vinny, and I just like it, it just hit me so hard. That peace I leave with you, and the part where it just says, not as the world gives to you. And it just immediately like made me remember where I was, you know, where I found my peace, how I found my peace, and, and that journey getting to that point. And um, I used to try and find my peace in, in everything, you guys. Um, and uh, a lot of you guys know that I'm from South Carolina. Um, but, you know, growing up in the Bible Belt, could have gone to church. I could probably ask, like, the neighbor if I could just catch a ride. And, uh, but I just wasn't, you know, my parents didn't emphasize it. My grandma was a godly woman. My dad was not a godly man. And uh, we just never, never went to church. I was exposed here and there. I'd pop into youth groups and stuff. It's always awesome. I had fun. I just wanted to play basketball if there was a hoop. You know, that's, that was just a simple fact. Um, yeah, growing up down south is definitely a little different. And uh, when I came up here, one thing I noticed is that there are a couple more white guys who could play basketball, you know. And uh, down south is just not a thing. In fact, you know, people would try to, uh, you know, shun me or disregard me or say some little, you know, um, prejudice-hinted comments because I was the white boy who played basketball. You know, I liked to dance, I had rhythm, and I could play basketball. So I, uh, the, con- the country boys didn't have that, so I didn't want to hang out with them, I guess. But uh, no, some of my best friends were definitely those guys. Um, and I loved them, but uh, that definitely led me. Um, my father wasn't around until I was probably about like 13, 14 years old. He was big-time alcoholic, never beat on my mom or anything like that. Um, that's why he's still living. And, uh, you know, but he wasn't always faithful either. And, um, you know, more so than anything, I think my sisters paid the price for that because he came around when I was 14, you know. So they're 17, 19 by then, and uh, it's a little tough at, at that point. But um, so I... 
I wanted to figure out how to be a man, you know, wasn't getting it from my father, so, you know, it was the guys that I eventually played basketball with, you know, and I always looked up the older guys, I always wanted to hang out with the older guys, and um, quickly in eighth grade, um, <laughs> my mom doesn't know about this, but um, whether, whether, you know, the, I don't think, you know, the guy obviously was taking advantage just for some money, but at the same time, I knew that he, you know, cared for me, and he'd, you know, probably kill for me at the same time. Um, Big Roly was his name. He's uh, no longer, you know, with us or whatnot. Um, he was he was a coke dealer, and uh, you know, mom, you know, mom was struggling. She was upset. I didn't want to ever bug bug her to like just buy, get twenty bucks to go to the movies or buy some new basketball shoes that pay less. I never wanted to bug her for that. Um, so what I would do is go to the local basketball court. Guys would pull up, and I'd I'd be the middleman. I'd be you know, uh, you know, just eight balls of coke, handing handing this to these guys. Nobody suspect the the white kid on the basketball court. You know, it, it's just what you know. I was just playing basketball. Guy would come up, exchange the money. We do that. I get a little percentage, and that was that. Um, which could have been really really bad. That was in eighth grade, you know what I mean? If I wanted a little more of a piece of that, um, it, 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 you know, just, I, I don't see myself making it to my sophomore year of high school. Um, but I stayed in that area, I, I, you know, stayed hanging out with those guys. I was getting better at basketball. That's all I cared about, really. I mean, that, that was life. And, um, but it quickly became a reality, uh, the effect of sin in this world. Not till now when, when I can look back, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, and can see um, that effect. But from 8th grade to 10th grade was probably the most traumatic years of my life. Um, definitely a lot more traumatic than most. Um, but just choosing to be in that environment, um, another little buddy who's, who's my age decided to do that. Said he decided to take it up uh, another notch. He, you know, wanted to get away from big rolling and start doing his own thing. He's a freshman in high school, um, walks around the projects with a pistol on his hip. And um, one day he didn't have his pistol on his hip. Uh, he, he owed somebody some stuff. And, uh, you know, it was a whole, you know, everybody was quick to pull out a pistol. They never wanted to fight. But these two start going at it. And it's just a circle of us and whatnot. And um, s- stupid, but... The other guy pulls out a knife and uh, stabs Orlando a couple times. And um, <laughs> I'm freshman, I'm rushing my buddy to, to the hospital, you know. Um, Lando lived, but now he's serving a life sentence in prison, you know. So just the effects of sin, right? Um, my sophomore year, um, the, the very guy who put a basketball in my hand is uh, Joshua Ivey. He was, um, he dated my sister, and uh, they dated for years, and um, he would just work with me constantly, work with me on my game and whatnot, and um, eventually something happened with him and my sister where he wasn't faithful while she was gone in the uh, military. She went went into the military to take care of him because he had developed leukemia. He had been smoking since he was like 12 or 13, and... um, so when he decided to be unfaithful, she decided to just 
continued doing her thing in the Marines and um, made a decision to quickly get married, which didn't work out. But um, as Josh was going through his chemo treatments, um, he wanted my sister. He loved, you know, whether he was unfaithful or not, he definitely did, did love her. Um, but he decided, decided to uh, resort to cocaine while he was going through the chemo treatments, and um, which eventually turned his brain to mush, right? So I never had a brother, <laughs> you know what I mean? So this, that, that was my brother. You know, whether he did something wrong to my sister or not, that, that was my brother. And, um, you know, same month, um, I got good at basketball because I started going out to what was known as the cage, right? There'd be 40 guys out there. I'd be the only white kid out there, smallest kid, youngest kid, and I, I just wanted to get get better, you know, and sometimes my mom would come pick me up, she'd read in her car, and uh, one of the guys, his name, his nickname's Lip, there's a bunch of stupid nicknames down there, but anyways, um, comes up to my mom and said, hey, like, everybody around that area knows me as Nash, Steve Nash, you know, they just called, called me Steve Nash, so everybody knew me as Nash, nobody knew me as Mac, so I said, hey, like, can I, can I pick up Nash on the way to come to the court? Like, I, I pass right through, you know, right by your house. Can I pick him up? You know, because there were some times where I was, like, so depressed and, like, about to cry because I couldn't make it to go play basketball because I didn't have a ride. And it was, you know, would have been too far of a bike ride realistically. And um, so, so that, that was awesome. Um, but that turned into me coming over to, to Mama's house and her cooking me a meal and me hanging out with all the cousins and the Porter boys, nine brothers, same mother and father, who all played basketball. And um, those were the guys I looked up to. Those were my role models. Um, those were my brothers. And um, we had a basketball tournament. Uh, I wasn't supposed to be in it because I was too young. I was only a sophomore. But that was probably where I was, like, almost at my athletic prime so I could compete with the older guys and whatnot. Um, we won our tournament, decided to go, um, I guess you could call it a club. It was essentially a house. Um, it's called side door or whatnot, and um, nobody checks you at the door, none of that. And I, I knew um, Taurus. I mean, it, it's kind of obvious when you you know you got a specially painted Crown Vic with 24 inch rims, you know, 24 inch crump. Like around where I'm from, you're probably a dope dealer, you know. And um, I knew that about Taurus. I loved him. He took care of me. I mean, he he would feed me, take me to football games, basketball games, like. Love this guy, and um, so Taurus left early and um, from the club, and about 10 minutes later, we hear a couple gunshots go off, and um, we come outside, and uh, I, s I see my friend's brain splattered on the floor, on the ground, and um, those are all things I, I never... I never wanted to talk about it. I never wanted to, um, like, get help for or anything like that. And it never really bothered me, I think, because, I mean, to be honest, I think because of basketball, that was my distraction. Anything happened, I would just go out and I'd, I'd shoot three in the morning. It didn't matter. And, um, but, I mean, just death became a reality big time there. And um, just seeing someone I love, oh, my gosh. Um, it was crazy, and uh, and it just so happened that one of my teammates, um, the guy who shot him, was was his, was his cousin, one of my teammates, and he and I, 
Um, we were a little backcourt, and I was the point guard. He was the two guard, little BJ. And uh, he, uh, yeah, it was, it was just crazy. You know, that obviously didn't spark any conflict between the two of us. We were too close, but it's just, it's just so stupid, you know. And um, anyway, so basketball kind of kept me on a straight you know, path, you know, ended up uh, playing a year in college and whatnot. My mom got sick, and I had to come home. And, um, you know, when I came home, I didn't have basketball, you know. And uh, that kept me disciplined, for sure, because I knew if I didn't do the right things, I wasn't going to play basketball, so you better do the right things. And didn't have basketball anymore. But I had a home I could live in for free, and I took advantage of that. And um, start, started selling, you know. Got to the point where, you know, I moved out, got an apartment with a buddy. We were both selling. Um, and he started selling cocaine, and it, it got to the point again where somebody comes in the door, and I'm sitting on the couch, and I got a pistol between the cushions because this guy's sketchy, and, and he's got two of his buddies with him. You know, and my buddy Matt, he's, that was my big man. He's six six, six seven, long, probably not going to want to <laughs> fight this guy one-on-one, but usually these guys, you know, have something on them, and... Um, just thinking about that, it, it's just, I'm so, so thankful that the Lord used a girl, right, in South Carolina from New Jersey to bring me up here because, to be honest, I'd probably be doing the same thing, or I'd be in jail or I'd be dead. And um, even as I moved up to New Jersey, you know, I obviously wasn't selling anymore. I was, I was living with somebody that, that would have been a quick get the heck out of here, but I was still um, indulging in substances and, um, I mean, continue to, to do so, um, until the point in which there was a breakup and I was probably just going to move home. There was no point to really, uh, be in New Jersey, um, anymore. And, uh, that man back there had, uh, told me, you know, I think he told me if, if I ever, you know, were to move back down to South Carolina, like I have to go to either FCA or the Calvary Chapel Men's Conference, and um, you know, I was thinking, I was definitely contemplating moving back home, and I ended up going with uh, Pastor Vinny, uh, Michael Grady, and, um, and uh, Bob. Oh my gosh, uh, Bob Kane, and um, I mean, the whole time, you guys. I mean, it's a thousand men, a lot of military men, which I've always like had nothing but respect for, um, and so I was, you know. I was, I was having a good time, you know, all these guys are worshiping the Lord, but at the same time, I was like, this feeling, I'm not going to let that um, uh, guide me to make the decision. I knew the altar call was coming. I grew up in the South. I'd seen altar calls, you know what I mean? I was like, I know it's coming. Ain't going to happen to this one, though, you know, and, um, you know, they went, went through the uh, um, song one time, and I was just like, I was about to leave. You know, I'm not going to lie, the night before, like, I'm, I'm pretty sure I said I was going to be at work late, and I lied, and I stayed there till like, 2, 3 in the morning indulging. You know what I mean? Struggling to wake up, struggling the whole day, and, um, you know, but as they played, played the song again, um, I was ready to go. And with confidence, I can say that I've, I've felt 
the Holy Spirit say, uh-uh, you're going, you're going. And um, you know, went forward. And uh, to be honest, physically, uh, mentally, I was exhausted. You know what I mean? And um, so there wasn't that sense of excitement and, oh, I want to celebrate. But one thing that definitely hit me immediately was peace. And, um, I mean, since that point, you guys, like, don't get me wrong. I fall. We all do. We all sin. We all fall short. Um, but I do sin a whole lot less than I used to. And um, Christ is just, he's awesome. You know, so why Jesus? You know, I can easily um, answer that question for myself from personal experience. You know what I mean? And, um, but to relay that to somebody else, that's not their own personal experience. Um, so we need to know the gospel. We need to know the evidences for our faith. And most importantly, if you're here tonight and you're not a believer, I want to emphasize this. You cannot experience the peace of God without first being at peace with God. What I mean by that, we were born as sinners into this world, right? Until we made a decision to follow Christ as our Lord and Savior and be reconciled with God, then you are able to experience that peace. All right, let's pray. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfield. We're located at 15 Half Acre Road in Jamesburg, New Jersey. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays, we have children's church for all ages in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you.